Welcome to the Cold Brew Podcast. It is Memorial Day weekend. We're recording here on May 27th. I'm Dave Gasper, joined as always by Matt Carroll from A New House. Yeah. Matt, you've been talking about it, you know, stress, buying a house, moving, and everything else. That's why we ended up having to uh, delay this uh, podcast here uh, a little bit. We're sorry about that. Um, but, uh, Matt, you know, we just... Busy moving, uh, just kind of got caught up into everything, and all of a sudden it's just like, oh well, we we just couldn't find a couldn't find a time. Yeah, and not to mention there's a lot of stuff strewn about everywhere, and had to find where all my recording stuff was. It, yeah, it was a long week. Um, I had to go back to work actually for a couple days. You know, normal people take like a week or two off to move. I had to go back and forth between moving and Oof. working and moving, so it was a little nuts. Um, but Got this nice little recording area now, as opposed to the tiny little. I know we don't put video out for this, but felt like I was basically in a closet before. Um, this is an actual legitimate room. Feels nice. Um, looking forward to adorning it with bobbleheads and Brewers memorabilia, and just make a nice little uh, Brewers recording studio. But uh, yeah. yeah, feeling good. And we're gonna go ahead and just crack open a beer. Yeah, I got mine's more of a twist top here, but there we go. So can't hear it as much. But what do you got today? We got City Lights Mexican Lager this time. Ooh, one of my faves. I bought it, bought it when we moved in. But uh, yeah, nice, good light one. And there you go. Let me tell you. Oh, it tastes great in a new house. Yeah, <laughs> I've got my classic Miller Lights. Of uh, course. Tastes great, less filling. You know, you know how it is. <laughs> I sure do, sure do. Yeah, you have you have earned the beer this week, my friend. And I think we've all earned the beer after seeing a number of injuries happen uh, mm. to the Brewers this past week and, and losing a bunch of guys. I want to start off with Hunter Renfro. Uh, Hunter Renfro, who has been hitting the ball extremely well lately. Uh, ends up pulling a hamstring, ends up with a hamstring strain, trying to score from first, uh, leaves the game and ends up uh, going on the IL. Should be just a minimum uh, stint here, about 10 days to 10 to 14 days, uh, the Brewers are expecting. But in the meantime, Matt, in, in Renfro's absence, that has meant more playing time for Tyrone Taylor, uh, playing pretty much every single day now in right field. And he has taken this opportunity and is running with it. You had an article up on the site uh, talking about this, and he's just been absolutely incredible. I think he's provided like half the Brewers' RBIs the past couple of days. Yeah, um, put that article out before last night's game where he ended up having another RBI. I think I saw he's at seven straight games with an RBI mm-hmm. now. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's producing offensively after he had gotten off to a slow start, um, but really who didn't get off to a slow start this season. So, you know, we'll, we'll give him a pass on that, but it's great seeing that, you know, now that he's gotten a little bit of opportunity, a little bit of consistent opportunity, which has always been something uh, that's been tough for him to get with the guys in front of him on the depth chart um, that he's doing his thing. He's knocking in runs. He had a three run Homer in the second game of the San Diego series. He, you know, sacrifice flies. He's, he's doing everything there that the Brewers need him to do on offense. And it's, it helped them uh, pull out a series win against the Padres, a series win against a winning team, something that, you know, critics were saying, let's be a little possibly skeptical on the Brewers because they're only beating up on losing teams right now. Well, they go and play the, Padres on the road, and honestly, they were a Brad Boxberger blown inning away from sweeping the Padres. Um, but so much of what they did during that series was because of Tyrone Taylor. And so as he's doing this, it you know makes you wonder if he can ride out the rest of Renfro's injuries still being a little hot on offense, how much continued playing time does that end up getting him? Does he take a little bit of Lorenzo Cain's playing time, who has not heated up offensively. He's one of the few who just has not at all this season. Um, Do they have to find ways to get him in the lineup, whether it's spelling some of the other guys 
getting a DH appearance, things like that, at some points, you know, it'll be hard to take that bat out of the lineup. But, you know, he's going to get this chance until Renfro comes back. Let's see if he's able to continue riding this hot streak. But so far, it's been great to watch. Yeah, I think the bottom line has been clear uh, that Tyler Taylor needs to play more. I mean, we, we've been kind of talking about this for a while, and we saw him since last year. And when the Brewers signed Andrew McCutcheon, I was just kind of like, okay, come on. Like, can we give Tyrone Taylor, like, an actual chance to be, you know, the the number four guy or, or even a number three guy? I mean, I, I understand why they went out and got uh, Hunter Renfro uh, to really kind of shore up right field there. But I, I think it's becoming clear after this that when it comes to center field, that, that when Renfro comes back, Tyrone Taylor needs to get the lion's share of playing time in center field. Now, I mean, Lorenzo Cain, he still brings value de- defensively to the Brewers. Uh, he, he brings value as as a veteran leader vet, uh, in that clubhouse. Um, and there's a lot that he brings there. But overall, in the lineup, you need Tyrone Taylor in center field over Lorenzo Cain. It, it's just been a struggle for him. I think he's one of only three qualified hitters to have not registered a barrel all season. Um, and we're closing in on the two-month mark, and Kane's been getting a lot of playing time. So it, it's it, it's tough to watch Kane go down. I mean, you, you know that Lorenzo Kane is uh, a very good player, a valuable player, um, a really likable guy that you want to see in there and you want to see play, but the bat is just not performing. It's not there, and it's time for the Brewers to put Tyrone Taylor out there in center field just about every single day once Hunter Renfro comes back. Yeah, it, it, it's interesting. Um, it really speaks to Kane's defensive prowess. When you look at his offensive numbers, he's batting 183. He's got an OPS of 467. Oof. Very, very not good. His Oof. OPS plus is 34. That's oh my God. Orlando Arcia like lowest offensive levels type. That might've been Keston Hura, Jackie Bradley Jr. Last right? season levels. Yeah. I like, I, I'm trying to remember if Jackie Bradley Jr. Was even that low at 34. Um, but his uh, baseball reference war is a positive point too. <laughs> <laughs> With those numbers, he's still in the positives in war. So it's obviously his defense that brings them up, but you know what? Then maybe we're at the point where Lorenzo Kane is a late inning defensive replacement. I mean, it's it's okay that that happens to some players in their career, and maybe that's what needs to happen for the Brewers, especially when you know they've been a team that's been a little streaky on offense. They were slow to start offensively as a team this year, got a lot better, and now their offensive numbers are actually in the upper half of the league. But you don't want them to run into potentially one of those situations where the entire team slumps at once, and when your center fielder is already slumping. You know, that's not going to offset if uh, that ends up happening to other players. Tyrone Taylor potentially could. So he just, he deserves it. He's earning it right now. He's going to get playing time regardless, because as we've seen, Andrew McCutcheon ends up going on COVID IL. Hunter Renfro ends up going on real IL. You end up needing guys to fill holes and... That's why they end up keeping, you know, it's okay that Tyrone Taylor is still on the team when you sign a guy like Andrew McCutcheon because you know you're going to need to use him eventually. But like you said, flat out, he just needs more playing time now because he makes your offense better. And you don't want to take that away. Like, you, why would you purposely make your offense worse by taking Tyrone Taylor out of the lineup? Right. Yeah. And I mean, you know, even with what Kane provides defensively, I mean, the Brewers have shown, you know, that there are positions that they are willing to take hits at on offense in order to improve their defense. I mean, they withstood Orlando Arcia at shortstop for five seasons uh, before they finally uh, decided the lack of offense just wasn't uh, just, just wasn't justifying keeping him in the lineup every single day. And for what it's worth here. Uh, I looked it up. Jackie Bradley Jr. last season had no PS plus of 34. And it, <laughs> so exactly. Okay. Yeah. And an OPS of 497. Jesus. So, yeah. So it was. Okay. So a little bit higher regular OPS. Yeah. I've but heard. OPS plus is, yeah, still kind of around that, that same mark. So, 
Yeah, I mean, center field and, and shortstop and, and catcher, I mean, those, those positions up the middle are three positions where teams are willing to have less offense in order to have really strong defense. And that's, you know, where Kane really kind of is getting his playing time right now. But, you know, Taylor, he's no slouch defensively. I mean, certainly he's no Lorenzo Kane either, uh, but you don't really, you know, you, you, you don't have a negative out there in center field, you know, just just to get a better bat uh, over there uh, in that position. So, you know, I, I think there's going to be plenty of playing time for for Tyrone Taylor, and certainly with this being the last year of Kane's contract um, and potentially his career. I mean, I think there's a very strong chance he could retire after this, uh, especially if the bat does not pick up. So, you know, it, it's good to, to get Tyrone Taylor to, to see him get this extended playing time. We both knew, I mean, th- this was in there all along that he just needed the opportunity. Uh, and now he's finally getting it. Unfortunately, it came at the expense of a Hunter Renfro injury. Um, mm-hmm. But he's he's getting the opportunity and, and he is running with it and, and doing extremely well. So yeah. that's that's a big injury in the outfield. Now we got to talk about the injury in the rotation. And Matt, we almost... I don't want to say we deserve any blame uh, for this because we don't, because it's not our fault, because what we say on this podcast isn't actually going to impact what happens uh, with the Brewers. But we were talking last week about, you know, how is Ethan Small going to get in there? And it's like, oh, well, you know, these guys are are all healthy in this rotation and it's going to take, you know, an injury or something, knock on wood. Hopefully it doesn't happen, uh, but an injury to to get these guys to move up. And then sure enough, Freddie Peralta leaves his start. While I'm there, uh, I was at the game yeah. that day on Willie Adamas bobblehead day. Willie Adamas Lee or Willie Adamas. Freddie Peralta leaves with shoulder tightness. And now it's, it's a right posterior shoulder strain. And he is going to be out until August at a minimum. Uh, but they do expect him to come back this season. But he's going to be out a couple of months and, uh, well, injuries have hit the rotation, and this is uh, not a fun one. And certainly for the length of period of time, uh, this is not good news for the Brewers. No, not at all. Um, and I, I feel bad for uh, contr- our contributor to the site, Josh Waldock, because he was on the <laughs> Freddie Peralta 2022 Cy Young hype train, and now that has officially see, but, uh, but here's the thing with Cy Young hype trains though, they take three years to get to their destination. This is okay. So you start the Cy Young hype train in 2022. He's not getting there until 2025. Okay. I I'm telling you that like, this is from experience or actually no three, it'd be 2024 that he'd get there. So I'm just, I I just, I don't know if Josh knew that going in, like this was part of the terms and conditions. I was just kind of like buried down there. I didn't know it. Um, apparently it, <laughs> apparently when you predict it, that first season, only bad news happens. Like, you know, Corbin Burns, he turns into the worst pitcher in baseball in 2019. When I make that prediction, Josh makes prediction this year. And it turns out Freddie Peralta gets hurt and misses uh, two plus months of the season. So, you know, it's a, uh, it's kind of bad luck, but expecting some good luck, you know, a few years later. Right. It's true. Okay. We'll give that to him. So hopefully, hopefully he doesn't decide to jump ship because of this. He should know based off of your experience. Stay on, Stick with stay it. on the train. Yeah. Okay. So yes, no Cy Young for Freddie this year. Um, but but we do have a very capable fill in in Aaron Ashby. He had a great start the other day uh, in front of, Uncle Andy in San Diego. That was awesome to kind of finish out that uh, series. Um, but when the when the injury first happened, uh, Craig Council had stated that they were going to go with a five man rotation for now. And I think some of us who heard that quote were like, hmm, "Sure, sure, sure, for now, for now." Yeah. Um, but knowing the schedule, knowing they don't have a day off until two Mondays from now, yeah, they're going to need a sixth man at some point. And so now you look at the pitching probables that the team has listed and they have Monday the entire day, which is a double header against the Cubs. They have the entire day listed as TBA. Now, one of those games would be Corbin Burns start based off right. of how things line up. So, you know, he's going to be one of them, but that still leaves another one open. Boy, 
does it not just seem like that is a perfect opportunity for Ethan Small to make his Brewers debut? Yeah, it certainly does, especially with, you know, how things have lined up. I mean, uh, Ethan Small missed uh, a, a turn in the rotation in Nashville with the flu. Um, and then he came back and he made a start on Tuesday for the Nashville Sounds. Went well, five innings, no walks, mm-hmm. allowing just one run, uh, continuing that, that stellar ERA down there. But, and the lack of walks was key because he has struggled with that this season. Mm-hmm. But he has a very strong start down there in Nashville. You know, gets you know everything back underneath him, feeling good, feeling back out on the mound. But the way rest lines up, Monday would be, you know, a the next date for him to pitch, you know, on, on regular rest. And it just makes the most sense for the Brewers. I mean, when, when it comes to their 40 man roster situation, you know, the, the guys that they have down there in Nashville who can start, um, you know, needing a six man, I think a doubleheader like that would be the perfect day to bring them up. You bring them up, you, you have him pitch game one, you know, get the nerves out, you know, just have the first game of the day, have him take it. Don't have him sit around all of game one, you know, waiting, you know, depending on how long the game goes, just kind of sitting there all fidgety. Um, I don't know if he's a fidgety guy, but, you know, <laughs> like you're coming before your your MLB debut. I mean, don't make him sit around, you know, watching another game, just having all of his preparation depend on when that game ends and how the timing of it goes. Have him go game one. He can get it all out, doesn't have to sit around watching everything, thinking about everything. He can just get it done do his job, get the start, and then game two, he can just kind of relax and unwind. Uh, I think that'd be the the right way to go. If I were Craig Council, that's how I would do it. Yeah, it absolutely, absolutely makes the most sense. I agree. And you spoke about the roster. I think some of the moves that they've made on the 40-man would lend you to believe that this is going to happen as well, because we already touched last week, I believe, on how Alec Bettinger was kind of surprised DFA'd. Um, from the roster. Uh, if you look at, you know, his results recently, you know, he had been injured uh, ever since that blow up start last year. You know, he he hadn't necessarily been great. OK, so maybe not necessarily a big, huge surprise. Dylan File over the last week was outrighted to Nashville as well, and which meant that he had already been designated for assignment and already had passed through waivers. So a little bit under the radar there. But again, not a necessarily a move that had to be made. The Brewers already had open 40-man roster spots. Yet, um, probably just based on how they felt his, um, you know, his development was going, how things had gone since his injury that he had last year, um, plus potentially some future moves that they were planning to make, they go up, uh, go ahead and make that 40-man move. So the Brewers have extra 40-man spots. You get an extra player to call up on a double header, so it makes perfect sense to add Ethan Small to the roster, call him up for the double header, and if he gets optioned back the, the same day, or right after the day, then there you go. You only want him up as a starter anyway, um, so you move him back down, and you know what, potentially if towards the end of the week or so you still want to run with that six-man rotation leading up to the off day the following Monday, maybe you call him up for a second start. I don't know. Um, but it just makes too much sense. Otherwise, I mean, outside of that, you don't really have anyone already on the 40-man roster down in the minors that makes sense to call up. As for who's on the actual active roster, you're talking maybe a Luis Perdomo spot start. It makes so much more sense to go with Ethan Small in this game. That's I, yeah. I can't, And then you save Luis Perdomo as potentially if Small ends up only going like four innings or something like that. That's where you maybe have Perdomo go a little bit extended, throw two or three innings after Small comes out of the game. It just makes too much sense for it not to happen. I would damn near put money on it in Vegas for this right now. Yeah, I mean, it, otherwise, I mean, you're they're, they would literally be going with a bullpen game. Right. Um, and given where they are with, um, you know, depth in the bullpen, you know, with injuries, guys being down, guys being out. Um, and being in the middle of that stretch of 18 games in 17 days, that, that that's not really an ideal time to go to a bullpen game either. Uh, you're really going to need your starters to, to go out there and perform. So, yeah, Ethan Small makes sense. Otherwise, you're looking at Josh Lindblom, uh, getting him back on the 40-man. Uh, I mean, he's pitching well down there, but I'm not sure if they want to go that route. 
Um, you're looking at other non 40 man guys and Caleb Bosley pride of Hortonville. Hmm. Um, you're looking at Jason Alexander. Right. Um, you're like, those are the other guys that you're looking at from that Nashville rotation. Um, and really it's like, are, do they, are they going to go with one of those guys or are they going to go with their first round pick from 2019 who has a sub two ERA in his minor league career? You know, <laughs> like, like, like where are they going to go here? Like it, it yeah. seems all signs pointing to, Ethan Small. Uh, it just it just makes too much sense. Um, so I would I would be expecting that to come. And I mean the file file and Bettinger going down. I mean they were the only ones who could potentially uh, jump up and take that spot instead. But mm-hmm. yeah, I was I was a little bit surprised to hear of their outrights. Um, you know, especially just kind of being so early. Like we never got a chance to see Dylan File in the big leagues. Bettinger, we had a very limited sample size uh, of him. I mean it. It didn't go well, but still, uh, it's just kind of, you know, I, I think a tough break for them, how they went from being guys worthy of being protected from the Rule 5 draft to now unceremoniously outrighted in the middle of May. Yeah, but as we've talked about kind of, you know, off offline here a little bit, did those two being added to the 40-man speak more to the state of our minor league system at the time as compared to now more than anything. And, you know, it, it, it's hard to argue that, you know, maybe that's not the case. I mean, they do still show up on the uh, top 30 prospects list and that's great, but yeah, I mean, like we said, it was, it, it was kind of more a move that, you know, just based off of the roster construction of the whole organization at the time, it made sense at the time. And now they've just got different directions that they need to go in. Um, so there are things that happen. I, I'm most sad for Dylan File because he's one of my guys. Like I've liked him ever since he kind of started making a name for himself in 2019. Um, Hopefully he just kind of keeps trying to kill it down there in the minors. And you never know, you know, a guy can end up getting added back onto the 40 man like a player that was just added back to the 40 man recently. I take it. That's a segue to Mark Mathias. There we go. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I was, I was going to talk about how Mario Feliciano, another one of your guys, was hitting about 300 down in AAA. But sure, let's talk some Mark Mathias. Uh, he was also hitting down, hitting well down there in, in Nashville. And uh, he's gotten the call back up to take a spot on the 40-man after Hunter Renfro went on the IL. And, um, you know, he can play infield, play some outfield. And uh, it's good to see Babe Mathias mm-hmm. back in the big leagues. Yeah, we haven't gotten a chance to see him in a game since he got added to the roster again. Um, but yeah, like you said, it's just nice to see that he was in fact added. Um, I believe he still has an option left, right? Does that sound right? Um, been a while since I looked actually. Um, he was more at the time he was DFA'd because of the injury and kind of just moves that they needed to make to fill out their 40. Um, it, you know, so it was just something that had to be made at the time, but this is another example of, you know, a DFA doesn't always mean the end of a relationship. You know, it, you work through your stuff, you work your way back to the roster, and, you know, opportunity, as long as you do your thing, opportunities will be there for you. And opportunity came knocking. So he ends up back on the 40-man. He's on the bench. Um, I, and he I, does have options left. Okay. Okay. I had a fee. It didn't seem, you know, he wasn't with the team long enough where it felt like yeah. they would have been burnt through already. So no, you know, hopefully yeah. we get to see him before he ends up getting sent back down, but just really cool. He was kind of a little bit of a mini fan favorite while he was on the roster back in the day. So, you know, I'm sure as soon as he steps back in that batter's box, some Brewers fans are going to be having a good old time. Yeah, it'll, uh, it'll be good to see him back and he's been doing extremely well down there in Nashville. So he's certainly uh, earned the call up uh, coming back up to the big leagues. Um. Speaking of uh, guys coming back up to the big leagues, Keston Hira. Uh, mm-hmm. We got to talk Keston Hira here. He went down for a little bit, raked down in Nashville, and came back up. And uh, he's been kind of going back and forth between playing and not playing. And he's still kind of in that part-time role. And he's showing some good signs. You know, he had a walk-off home run. You know, he's gotten some good base hits. But he's also striking out 43% of the time. He's also still not hitting super well um overall so 
what do we do here, man? Uh, I, I had an article uh, go up on the site about this, and you know, it kind of drew a lot of reaction on, on social media as well. Uh, but really, what what should the Brewers be doing with Keston Hira? Because I mean, it, it seems like every time that he shows some glimpses, he shows some signs. It's like, okay, maybe he's breaking out of this. Maybe he's back to his old self. You know, they put him back in there a bit more often. And then he struggles. And it's just kind of this constant cycle back and forth of showing glimpses, earning another opportunity, then getting that opportunity and stinking it up. And it's just what like what what do we do here? How can we get Keston Hira back to where he needs to be? I, I'd love to hear what you think on this. I mean, it, it's hard because, it, you know, I think you spoke to it well, obviously, in the article that it, it's hard to try and make moves to get him going. Cause that's obviously the most ideal scenario is you want him, you know, breaking out finally and looking like his old self again for your team. You don't want him to be doing that for another team. Works out mm-hmm. best for you if he's doing it for you. Um, but there's just, it, you can't put him in the lineup right now for the reasons that we, you know, listed about why Tyrone Taylor should be taking over for Lorenzo Kane. You're just purposely making your lineup worse with that. But at the same time, it feels like Keston here is never going to get back on track unless he gets that playing time. But the Brewers are a team who's trying to contend right now. They're trying to be good offensively. They're trying to, you know, win a division and make the playoffs and hopefully go for a world series. So they don't have the time to just let someone work out their struggles in the lineup right now. And so that's where they find themselves in this weird limbo with him is you can't give him playing time. You really can't trade him because his value is as low as it's ever been and is probably going to be. Um, So do you just ride with it and, you know, he shuttles back and forth. He gets spot starts here and there, but you know, once the roster's back to normal, he ends up back in triple a and just trying to be uh, wait until He's ready to be called upon. I, I think that's just what they'll keep doing for now. But that's but, just but that's not that's an ideal just, situation for Hero. No, but like like how's he going to break out of this and become that everyday starter, that 300 hitter that the Brewers were expecting him to be if he doesn't get the chances? Um, right. But it's it's hard to give him the chances. You know, if you want to say like let's say let's just give him two weeks straight of of starting every single day and just putting him out there in the hopes that it'll get him going. Mm-hmm. First of all. As we, as we say multiple times, that's a very small sample size to fully judge a player. You know, like, oh, two weeks, you're going to judge a season. You're going to judge if this guy can play at the big league level just on a two-week span in a 162-game season. That doesn't seem fair. Also, but what if you get to day four and he's 0 for 12 with 6Ks? You know, that like, are you going to run him out there again and continue to run him out there for the next week and a half uh, if, he's, if he's not doing it? Like, or are you going to put someone else in there who can produce? You know, are you going to put in a veteran like Andrew McCutcheon who can put up quality at bats uh, each and every time he goes up there? So that's a tough spot for Craig Council to be in. Um, it's it's just such a, such a difficult spot for him. And, you know, I've, I've seen a bunch of people, you know, kind of push this as well when, when uh, you know, commenting on the article and looking at the article. I mean, he does extremely well against. Uh, right-handers. I'm, I mean, when it comes to his splits, and you know, perhaps getting Kira in there at DH against righties and having McCutcheon DH uh, against lefties, you know, maybe that could be a, a good way to get Kira at least some regular ABs because there are a lot more right-handed pitchers out there. Uh, you can have McCutcheon, you know, fulfilling his role that, that he was supposed to be playing against lefties. So that that could be something that uh, really works out for him, but. You know, still overall, you got that 42.9% strikeout percentage. Mm-hmm. That is that is really tough to overcome. And even on his success this year, Keston Hira has a BABIP of 409, uh, which is even higher than what he had in 2019 when he was actually, you know, producing overall. Uh, his BABIP was only at 402 back then, um, but his strikeout rate was down at 30%. Um, so that's just kind of, you know, some, some of the big differences for Hira between then and now. So it, it's a matter of really just kind of trying to get him opportunities to be successful and, and perhaps uh, building things back up. But every time I look, oh, that's something to build confidence off of the next few times out. He just 
he just tanks. But, you know, when he faces righties this year, he's hitting 333. Mm-hmm. When he faces lefties, he's hitting 160. You know, and he's gotten um, really the same amount of plate appearances. He's gotten 28 plate appearances against both lefties and righties. And the splits are massively. I mean, he's gotten 12 strikeouts in 28 plate appearances each against righties and lefties. Mm-hmm. But he's gotten eight hits against righties, four hits against lefties. Three of his eight hits against righties have been homers. So he does tend to do better overall against righties, but he still strikes out at the same clip. Um, and I mean, still, I mean, the sample sizes overall are fairly small. So how much can you really judge from it and draw from it? Right. Yeah. 28 plate appearances either way is not a lot to try and make a decision about. It just, it's hard because, you know, again, like you're going to what take at bats away from McCutcheon. You're going to take at bats away from Rowdy Telez, you know, one of your biggest power threats. McCutcheon was hitting, I think going into the game yesterday, he was hitting 250 and then he had uh, uh, two or three hits last night. I can't remember if it was uh, which one it was. I know it was at least two. Um, So, you know, again, like that's that's where you're taking playing time away from to give it to Hira. I I don't know that there's much better option than to, you know, just deal with him the way they're continuing to deal with him. Because again, like it's just, how do you, how do you purposely make your lineup worse if it doesn't end up working out for him? It may come to Rowdy Telez ends up, you know, on the IL for a couple weeks or a Jace Peterson or Mike Brasso does. And you need one of those bench spots filled. Maybe that's where he ends up getting his playing time at some time this year. It happened for Tyrone Taylor. Um, yeah. you know, he ended up getting his time. Injuries happen. It's that one variable that you just absolutely can't predict, and it's hard to be prepared for. They have a guy in Keston Hira who could be a decent fill-in if one of the you know specific guys on the roster ends up getting hurt for a little bit. So, you know, I, I think that's unfortunately the scenario that we've landed upon is that's what ends up happening. Now, come trade deadline, go ahead. But I was just going to say, like, that's really kind of the tough part when it comes to here because he brings you nothing defensively. You know, he has very, he has very limited defensive versatility. He can, he can play first base, sort of doesn't play super well. He also, he also can play second base, doesn't play that super well. Uh, But like, if Colton Wong can't go, who are you going to put over there? You're going to put, are you going to put here at second or are you going to put someone like Mike Brasso or Jace Peterson over at second base? You're going to put one of those guys there because they can right. bring you at least uh, not negative defense uh, over at that position, even if you might be getting also not much offense. Um, so he doesn't bring any value defensively, he doesn't bring any versatility defensively. So everything is resting on the bat and they're trying to get that bat figured out. And, you know, with, with that, I mean, it, it makes it that much more difficult to put him in the lineup. And that's where I think I saw someone compare as well. It's like, hey, they're running Kane out there every single day, you know, with all of his struggles. Why can't they do that with Hira? Oh, I mean, the simple answer is Lorenzo Kane brings value defensively. Mm-hmm. You know, Lorenzo Kane can can still run it down in center, and, and he's a veteran leader on the club. And also, frankly, he's getting paid $18 million this season. You know, he, <laughs> yeah. he's a proven veteran who's been around, who has shown that he can hit big league pitching. Keston Hira is not a proven asset. He's not a veteran. He hasn't been around long enough. He, he isn't established enough to be able to get that kind of that kind of treatment to swing his way out of a slump. You know, they've given him that chance. They gave him that chance in 2020 and in 2021. And he just wasn't able to swing his way out of it. Uh, so now... You just kind of have to put him in a part-time role and and hope he can push his way up like every other bench guy. You know, like every other bench guy, the part-timer, they have to find ways to be productive enough and and they're limited at bats and and get hot enough to push their way into the lineup more often. Jace Peterson has been able to find a way to do that, and he's turned that into somehow a three-year Brewers career or something like that (laughs) uh, and stuck around for so long. And... You know, he's able to get just hot enough uh, at the right time coming off the bench to earn more opportunities. And Keston Hero is going to have to do that same thing. Typically, you don't have that 
with top 10 overall selections with, with first round picks. Uh, and they've given him a lot of runway. And I, I think I, I also mentioned this in the article. If Keston Hero was a 10th round pick, they would have cut, they would have cut him loose by now. If he was a fifth mm-hmm. round pick, they would have cut him loose. Even a second round pick, they would have cut Keston Hero loose by now. But he was the number nine overall selection. You're going to, you're going to make damn sure that if he can't, that, that if he can succeed at the big league level, it's going to be with you. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but at some point, that patience ends up running out regardless of your draft pick status. So it'll be really interesting, I think, come trade deadline time, um, if the Brewers are looking to, you know, bring in a, you know, a, a reliever at the end of his contract who's a bigger name guy where the, you know, team's going to want a little something extra, you know, do the Brewers send Keston Hira and a prospect or Keston Hira and a starter, probably not a starter anymore now that Peralta's injured. I know that was something that would, you know, we kind of talked about more in the off season than now. Um, but, you know, do they end up trying to somehow attach him to a trade to a team that, you know, needs a first baseman or a second baseman or a DH someone, you know, like, like the A's or the Orioles or the pirates or someone like that, who's got a little bit of time and can throw him in the lineup and just be like, all right, we're giving you a couple of years to figure it out. And maybe that's what ends up happening to him. And it ends up getting the Brewers a piece that um, helps them in their trek for a world series. He won't be able to be the only part of that package because his no. value is not high enough, nearly high enough for that. That's where he ends up getting potentially attached to some prospects. I don't know what that ends up looking out, but I, until he gets the chance to play regularly and figure things out, which unless someone gets injured, that might just not happen. Trade deadline might be, you know, the next bit of activity when it comes to him and the Brewers relationship. Then maybe it's the off season. I don't know. Um, but it, it is such a weird situation that we're in with him right now. Yeah. One thing I could see, um, this is just me kind of throwing it out there. Uh, how about sending him to Oakland for reliever Lou Trevino, who's yeah. been a big part of that bullpen out there. I mean, I don't think it'll be a straight up that. I mean, the Bruce probably have to right. throw in someone else. Um, but he's a valuable reliever, could add to that bullpen uh, that Brewers have and give him there. But again, I, don't, I, I think it's just such a tough pill for the Brewers to swallow to, to give up on him mm-hmm. um, before really kind of getting a chance to, to see him. Um, you know, they, they don't want to see him go to Oakland or someplace else, get that opportunity to play every single day, and then turn into that 300 hitter that can hit 30 bombs a season and be that stud hitter that they knew it could be all along. They don't want to see him do that for someone else. I mean, they, they put in the work of, of scouting him and drafting him and, and developing him and getting him up through the minor league system and making him a big part of the organization. They've invested a ton in him. They don't want someone else to get all the reward for all their hard work while the Brewers get pennies on the dollar. Uh, for their investment. So it, you know, a change in scenery may be what's best for Hira. It may not be, but I think that's too tough of a pill to swallow at this point, even though it's an option that should at least be considered. I don't think it's something that Stearns will do. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, we'll see Uh, for the time being, it's going to be just, you know, continue on the way it's been going. Yeah, that may end up with him back in AAA once some guys get healthy. Hard to say. Yeah, it's. Uh, I, I think it's going to continue like it currently is for a little while. Being in a part-time role, uh, going back and forth a little bit. He really should get more opportunities against right-handed pitchers, I believe, to really kind of see uh, how those splits are, are going to shake out and if he can be a valuable piece against righties. You wouldn't think it, him being a right-handed hitter, uh, that you know his splits would be that way, but they are. So he's just got to get more opportunities uh, that way uh, to really kind of see uh, if he can get back into a groove offensively. And hopefully, hopefully they can get him back to uh, that level because that would just be great news for for the Brewers all around. Uh, being able to get him to to perform like they expected him to that would really improve this lineup. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So um, there was some 
news uh, that uh, we saw this morning, not from baseball-related news, uh, but soccer-related news. And I think we got to talk about this. Um, according to uh, some reports out of England, Brewers owner Mark Atanasio is apparently in talks uh, to buy a major investment um, and I think take over majority control of the soccer club Norwich City. And um, Matt, I saw this and I'm just, I'm a little confused. I mean, I know I've seen, you know, other um, owners, other MLB owners, you know, be in talks of um, buying ML, uh, soccer clubs over in Europe. I think a couple have already done it. Uh, but now it looks like Mark Atanasio is trying to get in on the trend. And uh, I have a few uh, concerned uh, feelings about this, as I'm sure you do as well. Yeah, I mean, it's hard for your you know mind not to immediately go to, you know, okay, we've only had, you know, X amount of money to spend on payroll, but you yet you have enough money to buy a friggin' soccer team like that's I you know that's what's in the back of so many Brewers fans minds with this right like so I I guess you know I'm not gonna lie I had that thought myself um but it certainly is the thing to do right like the I think it was the Ricketts family uh down in Chicago Mm -hmm. was looking at uh buying part of Man U, I think it was originally. It was one of the big, big soccer clubs. Norwich City is much lower down the chain than some of those um, big name guys from what I am led to believe. I am no uh, English no soccer, soccer expert, yeah, I will say. Um, but that is what I've been told. Um, yeah, I don't know. That's, that's the weird part about it. I don't I, – I would doubt that there is any risk of him, you know – trying to get out of being the owner of the partial, you know, main owner of the brewers or trying to. Oh no, that, that, that's not, that's not like, part that's of it not now. Happening. Um, despite what some fans may want. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, but it is, yeah, no, I, I will admit it is a little weird that, um, that, you know, he has enough money left over to do that when we're, you know, just begging as a small to mid market team, to have more money in the payroll to pay for some of those um, higher priced free agents. So, yeah, I, I mean, I, I have mixed feelings about it as well. Um, I don't know if there's any way for him to funnel some of those profits into the brewers. That's probably, there's probably some laws that don't allow that to happen. I, I'm, I'm no business expert either, um, <laughs> but that's what I would prefer to happen. Um but I, I doubt that's what the end result of this is going to be. But, yeah, it, I don't know. It, it was a weird report to kind of stumble upon. Yeah, so there, I'm looking at this report here from the, the pink on the, the pink UN. Uh, I don't know, some, uh, some website or some news site over here in uh, England. Uh, according to the report here, you know, American multimillionaire businessman, owner of the Milwaukee Brewers, Mark Adnazio, is in talks over an investment in Norwich City, Atanasio's delegation included his two sons, Mike, who was sporting a Norwich scarf, and Dan, plus David Stearns, Dan Fumai, the CFO for the Brewers, and Rick Schlesinger, the president of business operations. Uh, so apparently they were there, uh, and among the delegation was Richard Ressler, a minority stakeholder um, for the Brewers and on the advisory board. Uh, so another part of the of the Brewers ownership group. Um, so they were all there. The delegation stayed in a hotel locally overnight under the name Norwich City. Um, so that is interesting. Uh, according to the reports here, um, the current uh, majority owners, uh, Delia Smith and Michael Wynne-Jones, um, they, they are set to remain majority shareholders. So this would be a minority share for Atanasio and the, and the Brewers ownership group. Hmm. So I am, I'm very conflicted 
um, and, and very kind of confused as to first of all why, um, and, and second of all, you know what what is this going to to gain him being in a minority investor in a smaller, um, I mean this is a you know smaller market essentially for I mean it's you could almost say Norwich City is like the the Brewers of English soccer perhaps like a <laughs> sure. smaller market. I mean, they're, they're kind of rebuilding there. They, they haven't really been super great. Um, you know, apparently limited financial resources that they're operating on a self-funded model, according to this report from, from the Norfolk live. So, you know, they've kind of uh, dropped down there, you know, limited financial resources, you know, two disappointing campaigns in the past three years, you know, perhaps rebuilding a little bit. So, I mean, it's kind of similar to where the Brewers were when, when Atanasio bought them, but it's slightly concerning that his attention is not on the Brewers. And it's like, how much would this even cost? Because my first thought is, you know, when I saw this, I'm like, Mark, this is not an extension for Corbin Burns. <laughs> like, instead of, instead of, I don't know how much money this would cost, but like, instead of putting, say, $200 million into buying a minority share and some soccer team in England, you could spend that same $200 million to keep Corbin Burns in Milwaukee for the next six years or so. You know, like that would be nice. Maybe they could do that. Um, so if you have $200 million or however many million dollars to burn buying a soccer club or buying a minority share of a soccer club in England, why don't you spend that money instead on extending Corbin Burns, extending Brandon Woodruff, extending Willie Adamas, extending Luis Arias, you know, signing these guys here to long-term deals. That's my thoughts. Like, focus on on the team at hand here. Yeah, um, I guess the fact, though, that it is it is a potential minority share, you know, he's a businessman. Business people stay in business by making business decisions and expanding their business. And so I guess in that sense, I'm not going to fault him for that. If it is a minority share, that means that the brewers are still his baby. Like that's his main thing. Right. Um, and so hopefully he doesn't, you know, it doesn't end up really taking too much, you know, of his time and energy away. Um, and he does have a very capable man in David Stearns at the helm, making the actual decisions for this team. Um, so really that part doesn't change. But also why was Stearns there? That, yeah, that's the part I I didn't, until you were reading this off, that I was unaware of. And that's super weird. Um, Yeah. And I made, unless, unless he's got a little pocket change and he wants to get in on this action too. I don't know. Maybe that's a way to keep Stearns in Milwaukee as well. Um, instead of letting, you know, the, the New York Mets take him in a, in a year or so. You know, by maybe, you know, getting him involved uh, there, like, you know, as, as part of that uh, investment group or some sort of stake or something, uh, that, that could be a way to keep him around. Because I, I'm, yeah, I'm very, like, otherwise I struggle to see why Stearns would be interested in going all the way to, to Norwich City uh, over in England uh, and, you know, leaving the the Brewers and just kind of, you know, not watching the games here, not watching, you know, any of the minor league teams or whatever else and go watch a soccer game over there and visit with, all those guys, instead of doing his scouting stuff or uh, whatever it is that he does on a day-to-day basis, mm-hmm. like that's very confusing unless he's getting some sort of a share or a stake in this as well. Yeah. Yeah, that's super weird. I don't know. I don't know. It's weird. It, it's not even, you know, obviously certain for certain that it's going to happen because I think the whole, like when it came to the Ricketts thing, I think that all fell apart too like they yeah. never and the, actually yeah did. the reports are that this is in the very early stages still yeah so there's no guarantee that it's actually even happening but um but they so, went out there for a visit mm-hmm. um to kind of check things out so yeah yeah i don't know uh i guess we'll see but yeah. hey maybe maybe it does result in them being business partners it's like hey now it just makes all the sense in the world for you to just stay here in milwaukee so that we can you know, run that business and this business together. And, you know, you, you got to stay close because it just makes it uh, easier from business sense, right? Yeah. I mean, maybe it's aimed at keeping Stearns. Maybe it's aimed at making more money for, you know, Atanasio. But if, you know, if that's able to make him more money, like, like, it, like if he personally gets more profit, then it's like, well, you better freaking turn that around and 
spend that on Corbin Burns. You know, like right. if this if this is a way to get him more money to sign those guys, then okay, fine, whatever, go ahead, do it. Um, if not, then it's just like okay, now you just spent however many million dollars to buy a share over there, and instead of putting that money on, you know, your team over here. Yeah. So that'd be that'd be incredibly frustrating. But if they sign Corbin Burns to a lifetime extension, I will be just fine. Uh, I will be happy. I will be jumping for joy. Uh, and it's uh, then then it'll be a fun day for me. Then I will never complain about Mark Atanasio uh, ever again. But if he lets if he lets Burns walk, I will complain about Mark Atanasio relentlessly. Yes, that, that's understandable. Yeah. So. That was a fun bit of news to, to wake up to today that, you know, it almost kind of makes up for uh, us not being able to record it. Cause if we recorded last night, we wouldn't have had this news to, to talk yeah. about. And then by the time we talked the next week, it would have been a week old. Yeah. So now it's fresh. It's fresh in our minds and fresh on the news. We wouldn't have gotten to act like soccer experts out of nowhere. Yeah. Which we clearly are not. If any actual soccer expert was listening to this podcast, <laughs> um, they'll know. It's like, oh, no, like you don't know that much about um, soccer. But I I feel fairly comfortable in saying Norwich City is not one of the uh, top teams over in uh, no. England. That I have it on good authority. Yeah. So, you know, still have a very you know strong and loyal fan base, I'm sure. But uh yeah, it's a. Uh, it's not like he's trying to buy a share of Manchester United or Chelsea or Liverpool or. Yeah. And those are the three soccer teams I can name. Well in done, England. Well done. That is. Oh, also Manchester City. I know there's two Manchester. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm up to four soccer. Te- Actually, well now Norwich City. Five. I can there name five soccer teams in England. There's wow. A, there's a team called Crystal Palace. I remember that for no reason at all. A team. It doesn't even sound real, but it is. Oh, wait. Oh, also another fun one. Tottenham. That's Tottenham, a fun yeah. one to say. Tottenham I don't know Hotspur. anything about them. Yeah. Tottenham Hotspurs. It's just fun to say. It I don't is. know anything about them. They could be assholes. I honestly have no idea. But uh, so I'm up to six. I can name six English soccer teams. I hope and, Mark and Sean from the uh, UK are listening to this and being like, these guys. Have no they idea. will probably be, be tweeting at us afterwards or something. <laughs> just be like, hey, guys. I certainly hope so. All right, guys, here's here's the lowdown. Um, we named six soccer teams, football teams. Yeah. Are you proud of us? There. Yeah. And that oh. is. All right. That's enough soccer content for one baseball podcast. Yeah. Oh, man. So Brewers and Cardinals um, followed by the Cubs. No love lost uh, between these sides. Paul Goldschmidt hit a home run yesterday. And I tell you, man, I hate him so much. <laughs> I, I, I hate seeing him on the Cardinals. I hate seeing Nolan Arenado on the Cardinals. Um, also, screw you, Jeff Breidich. Um <laughs> I cannot wait for Yadier Molina and Albert Pujols and Adam Wainwright to retire and just, I, I can't wait for it, man. It, it's going to be such a glorious day when, when they finally hang it up. It, Albert Pujols' swing looks as good as it ever looked. It was insane when he hit that, uh, um, I think it, I can't remember if it ended up being a double or not. Um, yeah, I think it was a double. Left yeah. field line off the wall. It looks like literal vintage Pujols. It just, which and it's not just the uniform. Slightly, what's that? And it's not just the uniform. Right. No. Exactly. Um, it was slightly rage-inducing, but uh, um, they held him in check after that, which was kind of nice. I will say I do kind of enjoy um, Adam Wainwright's kind of like little retirement um, walkabout. We'll call it, I guess around that's because we're beating them this time around yeah exactly well i mean that makes it more enjoyable that's true uh, but it's been kind of fun like he he did a um actually a tv promo for the brewers during one of the games which was kind of fun um on a day he wasn't pitching obviously um he's been doing on social media he's been kind of um like touring all the different stadiums he's going to this year and kind of going behind offering behind the scenes looks that's been kind of cool um 
he, you know, he's one, he, he's, he's Adam Wainwright. He's, he's he had really good history against us, but he hasn't necessarily been one of those guys that like got under your skin by any means. So I, I, I still have some respect for him and what he's able to continue doing at his age. Like the fact that last year he was one of the best pitchers in the league still. Um, and this year he's, you know, the Brewers have gotten to him, but in general, he's actually been still pretty decent in his age 40, 41 season. He, yeah. He's in now. He's 40. Pujols is like probably 48, uh, but I think he's listed as like 42, <laughs> 43. Uh, Molina's like, what, 39, mm-hmm. 40, something like that. Um, yeah, it's it's time. It is beyond yeah. time. Um, and I, for one, can't wait Yeah. Uh, for it to all be over against that. When, uh, when the... When they have their like final thing, I don't know if the Brewers are gonna do like a like a farewell thing. Like I remember when like Chipper Jones, um, like was having his retirement year. Uh, the Brewers kind of did like you know farewell giveaway or something to him. I don't know if the Brewers are gonna do something like that. Uh, but here's how I would envision it. Um, you you've seen The Office, right? Yes. You you remember the episode where where Toby leaves and Michael hosts a giant party and and he gets up on stage and he's singing Goodbye Toby. Yep. Yeah, that that's what I think the Brewers should do. Just kind of play that on the uh, on the jumbotron instead of goodbye Toby. It's goodbye Yachty. Mm-hmm. Um, goodbye. See you later. Get on it. Just so excited to to say goodbye, and that that's how I would do it. Goodbye Yachty. Goodbye Wainwright. Goodbye Pujols. It fits. They all yeah. fit. It it, uh, it would be perfect. It, it'd be too perfect, but. Uh, I they wouldn't do it, I, but it'd I, be funny as hell. It would be. I'd actually rather they stayed around than Goldschmidt and Arenado stayed around. I'll say <sighs> that. Oh, that's mostly because we know these guys are declining. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. unfortunately, we get stuck with those two still. Um, ugh. Which, luckily, Who are you, we Jeff Breidich? Last night, but not necessarily Shit. Goldschmidt. Yeah. Yeah, no, not excited for those two guys, but... um. Still, just the the names of Yachty and Pujols and Wainwright just always haunting. Yeah. It, it, eventually, it's going to be yeah, not just Goldschmidt and Arenado that end up haunting us until our dying days, but friggin' Harrison Bader, Tommy Edmond. I don't know why that yeah. guy just annoy, annoys the crap out of me because both of them seem to just destroy us anytime they play us. Yeah. Uh, just they've got that devil devil magic. Inside. Yeah, and the thing that sucks worse is that you know, Yachty's not going to leave. You know, he may retire, but eventually he's probably going to be the Cardinals manager one day, and then he's just going to going to annoy everybody there in that role. Mm-hmm. And it's just he's probably going to follow the Tony Larusa thing. It's like, oh, it's the ninth inning with two outs and a you know six run difference in the score, pitching change. Why not? Let's just keep yeah. everyone here a few minutes longer because I hate everybody. I've been somehow freaking Wilson Contreras is going to end up on that team. I don't know. Oh, how. God. I don't know if it's as a free agent or if it's a trade and then another trade, but I swear to God, that's what's going to happen. And then it'll be Yachty in the dugout as a coach and Wilson Contreras behind the plate. It's just, uh, it's just, it's, it would it's be sickening. too annoyingly perfect. Uh, that'd be the most hated team in baseball. Well, at least for me. But yeah. all right. Well, that's a fun, positive note to end <laughs> this podcast on. Uh, be sure to enjoy your more. Mor- wow. Can't talk. Be sure to enjoy your Memorial Day weekend, uh, everybody. And uh, stay safe out there, especially when you're uh, cooking out and um, start your summer off right. And remember the real reason for Memorial Day. It's not just for barbecues and, uh, you know, going to pool parties and things like that. And it's about remembering those who came before us and those who fought for our country and for our freedom. So that'll do it for us this week on the cold brew podcast. Uh, We'll see you next time for another episode, hopefully talking some more brewers victories and uh, hopefully with a much healthier team next time around. Uh, We'll see you next time for another episode of the cold brew podcast.